Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast in our journey through the Bible. And we have come to the difficult part of Exodus. Not going to go deep into it today. I want to look at the Ten Commandments first. Let's get started. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. As I said in the opening, we have officially reached the difficult part, the detailed part, but in some sense, the beautiful part of the Bible. When And I'll get into that in just a minute. I'm not going to focus on that this week because we do have, we finished last week about the Passover. We finished, we talked about the plagues and, and things like that. And so I want to backtrack a little bit and we, we, we already read in chapter 19, we begin to see God talking from heaven. It's the Ten Commandments are going to come, but God sets some conditions. I'm jumping right into the text today, but God sets some conditions. And in chapter 19, like, let's start reading. I just want to read a few verses here to kind of get us warmed up a little bit. I just found out I'm teaching tonight, so I'm... Uh, I'm thinking about what am I going to teach now in a couple hours I just found out and what am I going to say to you on the podcast so it's all coming together today. But chat verse 10 it says in the in the Lord said unto Moses go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon the mount Sinai, and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, nor touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death. Let's just stop there for a second. What uh, an introduction here. They have come through so much, and if you've been in this journey with us, they have come through so much for the last 400 years, they had been enslaved to Egypt after being given land in Egypt 400 years before that to the Pharaoh back then gave it to Jacob. We have just been following the narrative of Israel's story. And now they that Moses, God using Moses has set them free. They're kind of out on their own. And now God is going to speak to the people, but he says, I want them to be sanctified to do that. He says, wash their clothes. And they're to set these bounds around the mountain and nobody's to touch that mountain or you're going to die. And God was serious with this. We saw this later on in David's life about the Ark of the Covenant. When was it Uzzah? When he reached out and touched it and died immediately. God and his holiness, it, 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 is, it is important to understand that God is a holy God who wants nothing to do with sin. He said, I'm going to speak to the people. But I want you to, them to be sanctified. Let's wash the clothes. So bounds about the mountain. I want you to understand my holiness. And then we get to see the power and judgment of God. Anytime you see thunder and lightning in the Bible, it's, it tends to be a picture of the, the power and the judgment of God. And it says that there, uh, and I don't know the exact verses here, but it says just a few verses down that there was lightning and there was smoke and there was thunder and there was the voice as of a trumpet I mean, God is speaking and the people are watching this thinking, wow, this is amazing. As a matter of fact, as this voice, it says in verse 19, and when the voice of a trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by 
a voice. So God has this people ready. They're on the edge of their seats, if they had seats, definitely far away from the mountain. And they're listening and ready for a message. And the message that they got, we talk about all the time. They got the message of the Ten Commandments. Now, when I say Ten Commandments to you, everybody thinks about what the Ten Commandments are. Some of you maybe can quote some of them. Maybe some of you all know, know all ten of them. We think about the Ten Commandments. It was it was big a few years ago, wasn't it? Uh, that the Ten Commandments were taken down from what courthouses and things like that. We have them up at our church. But we know when I say Ten Commandments, even to a lost person, they could probably name a couple of them. But here they didn't have the Ten Commandments. There's no context for them. All they know is there is a lightning and thunder and smoke and a voice, the sound of a trumpet, a long voice. And I mean, they hear, they're hearing God. And then it says in chapter 20, verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, and here's how he started, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt, in the first one, have no other gods before me. And for the next 17 verses, God is laying out for Israel the Ten Commandments. So he's given them some conditions. He said, hey, stay back, stay away, sanctify yourselves, wash your clothes, get ready, I'm going to deliver a message. Imagine that for church. You come to church, hey, you know what? It's a requirement. You got to wash your clothes. You got to you got to sanctify yourselves. You got to sit back. You can't touch the pulpit. I mean, I'm being a little crazy here, but I mean, they were about to hear a message from God. And then the message came and it was the 10 commandments. You can't no other gods before me. No graven image. You're not to serve anything else. You you're to not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You're to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I mean, he's just going on. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. I mean, he is going into these Ten Commandments. And then notice the concern. I could spend some time on the Ten Commandments, but I hope you understand that that this year we are kind of doing an overview of the Bible and we're talking through it together and getting a gist of everything. But I want you to notice the response of the people when they heard the Ten Commandments. Here's their response, starting in verse 18 of chapter 19. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. Now, why would they say that? Everyone of us there, like, hey, we want to hear from God. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. They caught a glimpse of the holiness of God and they thought, we need a mediator. We can't speak to God. We are too filthy. We are too sinful. We need a mediator between us and God. They said, Moses, you're going to have to be that person because if we go in the presence of that holiness, we will die. Guess what? New Testament Christians that I'm talking to, we have a mediator. His name is Jesus. And if you and I try to go into the presence of a holy God with our sinfulness, we would die. We would be condemned for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is that mediator that goes between us and God and satisfies the wrath of God. 
he is the mediator. And I just think that's an interesting part of that story when, as they're saying, when they first hear the Ten Commandments and they're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) we are sinful people. We need a mediator. And that's the power of the gospel today. When we preach the truth of the gospel and we preach sin, the job is to convict the hearts. The job is not for me to criticize the sinners necessarily. To me is to preach the word of God and it deals with sin. And what happens is people's hearts ought to be pricked to say the same thing. We are sinful. We need a mediator. And then we say, Jesus is that mediator. And Moses gave a comment, verse 20, and Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you that he may, that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. He said, he's trying to help you so that you don't sin. You don't need to fear. There's salvation in God. But then he said, you don't need to fear because he's, he's doing this so that you would not sin. When we have a proper understanding of who God is and his holiness and all that he is, we're going to want to get as far away from sin as possible. And Moses comments on this. And then in 22 and 23, I'll just read these and then I'll recap some more and be done. But the Lord said unto Moses, thus shalt, they say, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. That's why I called this a talk from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto me gods of gold. He says basically to them, hey, Moses, go tell them to go and do what they've just heard. They've heard me. I've taught them. I will continue to teach them, but they need to go and they need to obey. And I wrote some things down in my notes talking about the holiness of God in the life of a Christian. And I wrote four things that I would say quickly. When we understand the holiness of God in the life of a Christian ought to produce a reverential fear of God. That I have a a proper fear of God because I know he's a holy God. It ought to produce confidence in the promises of God. If God is holy, then he will keep his promises. It ought to produce praise in who we are. It ought to make us want to praise God for who he is and the, the ma- his majesty and his power. and His ju- We ought to want to praise him. It ought to produce also a standard to live by. Hey, if God is holy, Peter said, be holy as I am holy. He said that about God. We're to be as our father. I often say when I was growing up, I wanted to be a shortstop because I remember my dad talking about playing shortstop and I wanted to be what he was. I was a little kid. And and so I became a shortstop. Well, we ought to want to be like our heavenly father. He is holy. We ought to want to be holy. And so that's chapters 19 and 20. And then for the second half of the book, it's uh, the first part of Exodus is about God setting the Israelites free from the slavery that they found themselves in in the beginning of the book of Exodus. that they, were, they had been there for about 400 years. But then the second half of the book of Exodus is about them living out their life now that they're free. And God gave them specific instructions on how they were to live out their life. He gave them instructions concerning how to handle your maidservants, how to, how to deal with an eye. Hey, that verse on the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth was right here from Exodus 21. He talked to him, what do you do regarding oxen? What if you accidentally kill the oxen of one of your, your neighbors? How do you handle that? He, he gave him laws on restitution. How do you restore someone like in that case with the oxen or others? 
He gave them laws concerning borrowing money and concerning ethics and and how to observe the feast and and then he begins to talk to Moses about offerings and 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 about Aaron being the Levites and what they are to do in the tabernacle and then he gives the very the details even the wood and every little thing that you're supposed to use to make up these different parts the mercy seat and the and the the table and the golden candlestick and the curtains everything was detailed and laid out for the Israelites God was giving them the instructions they need now there's a common a lot of times we get to this and we think I don't need this stuff we don't do it anymore there there's beauty in the details of God that if God cared enough to be so detailed about a curtain inside the tabernacle to be so detailed about the wood that would make up these different parts if he was so detailed about that how much more does he care about the details of your life god knows those details god does care now if you ever got really intrigued in this and you wanted to study out deeper the tabernacle and the instruments first of all i would encourage for you to go to to pennsylvania where i went this last fall and you can see a replica of the tabernacle, and they've done an amazing job with it. It was really cool up in uh, near near Hershey, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Really enjoyed that, especially now that I've read this after seeing that. But you could do dive deep into maybe some, and there's some deeper stuff here in the colors that was chosen and and the, and the meaning behind each one of these. I, I've heard some do some deep studies on that. I personally myself have never done some super deep studies. I've had to do some when I was in college. And there are some nuggets in there if you wanted to dive into it. But what really strikes me about it is the attention to detail that God gives. And I wanted to finish. I've got my Bible now open and I've been doing some reading on my iPad. So I wanted to find this verse and I found it. I want to close here. And I'm in chapter 29 where I'm closing. And he says this. Here's what God says. I'm going to start in verse 45. He says, And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. You sense that God's saying to his people, Israel, I've been here for you. I brought you out. I want to be your God. Now that's going to be big. This is foreshadowing in a little bit. Because you're going to remember down later when Israel, sometime later, Israel's going to look around and say, hey, everybody else has a king. We don't have a king. We want a king. And they reject God in a sense. There's a lot of stuff here that if we remember, but but I'm getting sidetracked. Let me come back. Verse 46, God says, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Many, many times in Exodus, and we'll see it probably in Deuteronomy, in Joshua, God reminds his people, I brought you out. I brought you out of the bondage. I brought you out of that bondage. He has to constantly remind them. And it just makes me think about Egypt and coming out of that is a picture of us being dominated in our sin and being freed by Jesus Christ. And it, and isn't it true that all the time we need a reminder that God has freed us from sin? It's like God is, when God says to Egypt, I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. It's like God reminding us, I'm the one that saved you and freed you from sin. 
Yes, I know you're struggling with anger, but I freed you from anger. Yes, I know you're struggling with lust, but I freed you from lust. Yes, I know you're struggling with bitterness, but I freed you from bitterness. You don't have to go back and be a slave. Remember so many times these Israelites said, we were so better off when we were back in Egypt as a slave. No, you're not. You're facing a difficult time. Get your eyes back on God. And that's what I need a lot of times. No, I'm not better off back in my sin. I was miserable in that sin. I just don't like my current circumstances. But I need to get my eyes back on God because he's the one that brought me out of sin. He saved me from the bondage and he did for you as well. So I want to encourage you as we get into the last bit of Exodus, we get into Leviticus, you're going to get into some very detailed stuff that we don't do today, but it is beautiful and find the beauty in it as you study it. Maybe find a little bit each day that um, that you can maybe dig down a little bit deeper on, find out what it means. And I will say this, before you give up, if you say, I just can't get through this, a last-ditch thing, I would say this, don't be afraid to cheat and get ahead a little bit and read some Psalms with this. If you get discouraged and you say, I just need that, I need something a little bit more devotionally that's going to help me. Read what you're reading, continue chronologically, and then get over in the Psalms and, and meditate on a Psalm or two as well. There, I tell you what, it's not a sin to break the chronological a little bit and read ahead. I promise you God's not in heaven saying, oh, they cheated off that plan that man made up. No, they're not. So I'd encourage you, stick with it. Find a psalm to help you along with it if you need to. But stay in the word of God. It is a beautiful, beautiful letter to you and me from God. Have a great week. 